Thank you for joining us. I'm Charlotte Snyder, and I'm podcasting from the Bondec Montessori in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Today, we're continuing with our Montessori summer series, Montessori outside of the classroom environment. And if you haven't listened to or read the previous episodes and posts, about our Montessori Summer Series. We encourage you to go back and listen to those, but certainly this podcast and the post that accompanies it on the blog can stand alone if this is a subject that interests you. We're winding down summer. It's already the middle of August. And so we're also winding down our summer series. And so we've talked about space and time. We've put those together, addressing one area of the home environment that would pay big dividends if it were addressed. We talked about following the child. And this week, we're talking about choices. We've talked about choices on the podcast previously. It's a really, really big area, a really challenging area, and one where we all benefit from a lot of practice. Today, we're talking about practice giving choices. Montessori is kind of known for choice. Sometimes Montessori schools get, I don't know, pigeonholed as the school where children get to do whatever. There's ultimate freedom. But anyone who's been in a Montessori classroom knows that that's just a superficial aspect. It looks like a lot of choice, but that choice, that freedom comes with the scaffolding of a lot of discipline. So the choices, the freedom opens up as a child's self-discipline, as a child's self-awareness and ability to make choices grows. So they grow in tandem. So it's not getting to do whatever and it's not having to do anything. They go together. It's that freedom and discipline. Similar to following the child or the prepared environment, giving choices, one of those marvelous Montessori classroom aspects that translates beautifully into the home environment. Also, like anything wonderful and challenging, it also requires a bit of practice. And fortunately, situations where choice could be presented are available nearly constantly when we're talking about work with children, which means lots and lots of practice. And to keep in mind, part of practice is sometimes not getting 100%, not phrasing things exactly like we want to, not being perfect from the very start. That's what practice is. We're always learning. The children are always learning. And we, as their educators and caregivers and parents, we're learning too. First, disclaimer, if you bristled at the idea of giving choices, if the idea of giving a two or a three or a five or a seven-year-old more choices made you bristle, you're not alone. On the other hand, maybe you think, I do that. I give choices. I give lots of choice. Maybe when you think of choice, you think, yeah, I do that. I give option A and I give option B and my child, no matter what, wants option C. Maybe when you give a choice, your child can't come up with an option. And so you end up giving the choice, but you end up making the decision frequently. Maybe you can't imagine how juggling the needs of many children, chores, errands, and a full-time job, and a relationship with a partner, all, all the things that family life entails. Maybe you can't imagine adding the idea of choice into the mixture. If you, any of these ideas crossed your mind, you are not alone. Please keep in mind that this Montessori Summer Series, 
which we have on this podcast and also um, accompanying posts on the blog, this Montessori Summer Series is intended to be helpful. If a suggestion doesn't work for you, no is just as good an answer as yes. Sometimes we just need permission to say, that's not going to work for me. And knowing your family and your child is all that's required. However, there are ways to offer choices that could actually be helpful in facilitating cooperation, in helping children to be a bit more independent instead of always asking for a solution, in being a bit proactive and coming up with their own solutions, and in participating fully in family life, setting them up so that then when they're is an opportunity when they need to decide, they're ready with those skills. With something as small as which flavor of ice cream do you want to choose, they're ready with that decision-making skill. Or something as big as do you want to do soccer or violin this semester? Or which university do you want to go to? All of these choices require practice. And practice starts with something very, very small when a child is still very, very small. So let's examine some examples together. What do you want in your lunch? That's, that's a question. That's a question we can imagine ourselves asking. And it's a lovely question, but it's not actually a choice. For instance, I would like a prosciutto and grilled nectarine salad and a cupcake. It's only a choice if it's an option. And unless we're willing to go make something happen, which actually might be possible for a special occasion, such as a birthday, we could ask an open-ended question of what would you like to eat for dinner on your birthday? And we're willing to do a little above and beyond for our very most favorite people. If they say, I want pie for dinner on my birthday, that might be one day out of the 365 where that's an option. But every day is not your birthday, and every day we're not necessarily willing, and we might not even have the ability to make anything happen. So limiting choices can actually be a pathway to more yes and to fewer arguments. So in some ways, limiting choices by saying no, by doing a lot of no on behalf of the child, we're opening the door for yes. Which vegetable would you like for dipping? Carrots, celery, or cucumbers? Keeping in mind, I need to have carrots, celery, and cucumbers on hand, and they all need to be an appropriate option for a child. Remember, we're setting them and we're setting ourselves up for success. This is not a loaded question. I'm not asking, do you want carrots, celery, or donuts for dipping into your hummus? We're going for healthy and nutrition. These all are weighted the same. They are all genuine options. A child can't fail and neither can you. Would you prefer your protein wrapped up in a tortilla or on sandwich bread? Again, both of these are good options. Would you like dairy or nut milk today? And these are just a few examples of one simple criteria rather than asking what do you want in your lunch and a child coming up with either options that you don't have available, options that aren't really options that meet your family's nutritional needs, 
not being able to come up with an answer, we're filtering for them and we're giving them options that really are choices. In this lunch situation, whatever meets your family's nutritional needs and choices and things that we have on hand or that we could access easily, things that we are willing and able to do. This is not magic. This is not a formula where children are not computers, where if you put in the right code, you get the anticipated result. A child's response might be no, or I don't like dip, or why can't I have cookies for breakfast, or I don't want milk, I want soda. It's not magic, and you're not alone if you've ever heard any of these responses. But this can be a little frustrating. I followed the rules. And my child did not act as I expected. That can be a little bit frustrating. And if you're still in the beginning stages of practicing, it can be a little discouraging to say, I thought of a situation where I would be comfortable giving choice. I prepared those choices and I noticed the cue when it was time to practice that. And I did it. And it feels a little bit like falling on your face. Your child didn't act the way you expected. However, we have the choice of how to respond. A phrase that we like is, these are the choices I have available. You can choose or I can decide. Said with kindness and compassion and empathy and firmness. These are the choices I have available. You can choose or I can decide which again is giving it back to the child. They get to decide if they want to cooperate and choose one of the options you made available, wonderful. If they don't want to do that, also wonderful. But we will be packing a nutritious lunch or wearing clothes before we head out the door or whatever decision you've given to your child. Then we must be true to our word. We must follow through. In the spirit of following the child, testing the limits of a choice, or sometimes even an arbitrary disagreement, we all have those moments of I say up, you say down. That's a sign that this choice is too much responsibility and a child needs a bit more support right now. And as the adults, that's our job. That support sometimes comes in the form of, oh, I'm sorry, we can try again tomorrow and making that decision for a child. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. Lunch needs to be packed every every day and we can practice again tomorrow. That's the whole point of this practice is we get to try again and again and again. Sometimes a child will make a suggestion that we haven't thought of and we don't necessarily need to be rigid in sticking with our options. They're not necessarily being argumentative and they're not necessarily testing. They're just asking and that's okay too. For instance, could I have tomatoes for dipping instead? Or do we have any leftovers from last night rather than another sandwich? I really liked those fajitas. Or could I just have water? And this is again practice to choose. It's our practice to choose. Is this a suggestion I'm comfortable with? Each parent knows their own child best. And is this alternative being requested genuinely? Or is it a bit of a test? And... How do I feel about that? How do I want to respond? I always get to choose how to respond. On the other hand, rather than giving too many choices, rather than saying, what do you want for lunch today? And then wondering why that isn't effective. Sometimes we default to too few choices rather than too many. 
Children grow every day. Their bodies grow, their minds grow, their capacities grow. And sometimes we blink and they're a big kid now. And it's hard to believe how much a child has grown and that they have words and opinions of their own. And we kind of have to shake ourselves and recognize how big they are now. And that this practice of making choices when they're safe and small decisions helps strengthen this skill for when a child is making big decisions down the road. It also extends our comfort with trusting a child. After all, trusting a child really comes down to trusting ourselves. I trust that I have given you the best skills I know how, and I have set you up for success in the best way I can. And sink or swim, I will always be here to love and support you. So we start small. Which shoe do you want to put on first? That's that's a safe choice. And even if we're not in the practice, and even if we only have the tiniest ability to give choice to a child, we can extend that grace. That one feels comfortable for most of us. Perhaps, which two books would you like to read? Or are you going to wear a sweater or a sweatshirt? Again, there might still be pushback. Especially for a child who's not used to making decisions, the first opportunity of choice might be a pendulum swing and might encourage pushback or wanting more options, and that's okay. It's natural. It's hard work to figure out the self-control that's required in order to make choices. In reality, making choices is saying no to all the other options. It's shutting all the other doors and choosing one. And that's hard. We as adults know that we get choice again and again and again, but we also have a lot of agency in our lives to make choice again and again and again. And for a child, this is still scarce. The opportunities and their ability to do those things and implement choice in their lives, that's scarce for a young child. Perhaps we've seen some desperation when you get to pick one book. It's a panic. We know tomorrow will be another opportunity. It's just a book, but for them, it's it's the biggest deal of their whole day. And so we have to be patient. We have to give grace with ourselves and with our children and practice again and again and again. Practice being patient. Practice giving choices. Practice how we respond there still might be pushback. And again, we get to choose how to respond. And again, those not quite magical words, these are the choices I have available. You can choose or I can decide. Which two books do you want to read? I want to read three. I want to play with Legos. These are the choices I have available. You can choose or I can decide. Which two books do you want to read? I don't want you to read it to me. I want dad to read it to me. Let's go see if he's available. You get to choose how you respond. We have to practice and practice and practice. We find ourselves knowing our children more deeply when which type of apple would you like, a very limited choice, extends to go pick three pieces of fruit and what's the right balance of freedom and discipline for this child in this moment. The children practice, practice, and practice. And then 
when there's the choice of which university or major or career or country or partner, these huge life-altering decisions, they're more than prepared because they started with something so small as which shoe or which two books, and that grew into which fruit, and it translates into which life do you want to choose? Why do we give choices? Humans, all of us, we feel more cooperative even when choice isn't an option. Sometimes there are things we just have to. There's not a choice. But we feel more cooperative when we get to choose some of the time. We feel respected and seen. There are times when, as adults, we've touched on this, but we need to make big, life-altering choices, and we need a bit of practice before that. Sometimes there are times when there are no bad choices, or when there's no good choices, or when there's the good and hard, or easy and not as ideal. How do I choose what's right for me in this situation? And we practice that when it's safe. It's okay to have opinions and preferences and providing opportunities for choice helps a child to become more self-directed and independent. Giving opportunities for choice helps a child to follow that flowchart in their mind to choose. Then when they're faced with two options on a shelf of what to play with or what to work with, they're not asking and ready to be directed They're asking themselves and self-directing. A child who practices choosing can become an adult who makes good decisions, takes initiative, and who understands and reflects on consequences. These are life skills, and we can start them when the child is small, when the stakes are small, and when the choice is small. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Bondek, and email us with comments, questions, and suggestions at hello at bondek.org. Until next time.